Tonight, global news is sinking faster than the Titanic. And guess what? They want more of your money to keep them afloat. It's Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. I'm David Menzies, and this is the Ezra Levent Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. the decades, several artists have covered the old Harvey Schmidt song, Try to Remember. You know, try to remember that kind of September. Forgive my awful attempt at singing, folks. In any event, I'll tell you who is trying to forget all about the month of September in the here and now, and that would be Global News along with its corporate master, Chorus Entertainment, Inc., while the month isn't quite yet over, September has been brutally embarrassing for the global news propaganda arm of the Trudeau Liberals. Indeed, to paraphrase a Queen Elizabeth descriptor, it has been mensis horribilis, a.k.a. a month of disaster and misfortune. And as we proceed with the autopsy, where does one even begin? How about the latest act of overt dumbness and rudeness, courtesy of David Aiken, the chief political correspondent based at Global News Ottawa? Do you remember his outrageous behavior at a Pierre Polyev press conference last week? <laughs> Check it out. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, appreciate your presence here today. Uh, before I begin, let me just say that. Thank you very much. Am I being I'm being heckled here by 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 the by? Thank you very much for your congratulations. Thank you very much for your questions. I'm going to begin my remarks now. But will you take some questions afterwards? Justin Trudeau is out of touch, and Canadians are out of money. The cost of government is driving up the cost of living. A half a trillion dollars of inflationary deficits have bid up the cost of the goods we buy and the, and the interest that Canadians pay. The cost for workers and businesses to produce the goods that we buy. On top of that, Trudeau proposes yet more spending to bid up costs Trudeau even further. The more, things the more he today? spends, the more things cost. It is just inflation. Their homes and to buy a home in the very first place. The reason that... So, I mean, we, we have, we, we have uh, basically a, a liberal heckler who snuck in here today. To you know, I'd call David Aiken a horse's ass, but I fear that descriptor might be offensive to the equine rectum community. Aiken's tirade was shameful, but not really surprising. That's because back in December, Aiken was also the author of a very embarrassing spectacle online. You may recall that I was physically assaulted in downtown Toronto by Justin Trudeau's RCMP goon squad in early December. My crime? I was standing on a public sidewalk, hopeful that I would get a chance to ask the PM a question. You see, Prime Minister Blackface and his fe fellow Liberals were imploring Canadians not to get together with friends and family at Christmas time. You know, that kind of thing could lead to COVID-19 super spreader events. 
But alas, Trudeau was staging a fundraising dinner at the Brickwork Cider House, and the donors were packed in like sardines. Yet again, folks, one rule for me, one rule for thee. But Trudeau didn't like that Rebel News was there to ask an impolite question, so he actually sicked his thugs on me, and they mugged me for no good reason. Here, check it out. Huh? Look around. I hit my car. Yeah, you'd like to see that. I wouldn't like to see that at all. <laughs> needs a lot of paperwork. Seriously, sir? What are you doing? Get it! Get off me! Hey, I can. Hey, this is assault. I'm on a side. What is this? I'm on a sidewalk. I am on a side. What is this? You cannot touch me. No rushing order. Hey. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? I told you. What is this? You can't. Am I under arrest? Am I under arrest? Now, predictably, the mainstream media looked the other way. No crime to see here, folks. Alas, if it had been the CBC's Rosemary Barton being roughed up in such a fashion, I believe we'd still be in the midst of a royal commission right now regarding the dangers of practicing journalism in Canada. But such is the MSM contempt and even visceral hatred for Rebel News that they ignored this grotesque attack on a member of the free press. Oh, but not Mr. Aiken, mind you. He hopped on Twitter to profess his love for Team Trudeau. Check out an excerpt of Ezra Levent's superb monologue from December 19th. Okay, so forget the smears by that editor who, frankly, I've never heard of. Um, Put aside the smears, she, she actually did say that it looked bloody awful. <laughs> but not David Aiken. Uh, he was trying to turn her around on this. He said, Google David Menzies and arrest. This is how he pays his bills. <laughs> what? So David Aiken is saying that David Menzies wanted this for, for profit? That this is what David Menzies does? For, for money? That David Menzies expected this, wanted this, planned this, provoked this? And, and by the way, David Aiken is still su suggesting that David Menzies was arrested. Menzies was not arrested. He was mugged by the police, not arrested by them, not charged by them. I'll show you another tweet here. Another journalist, Alan Fryer, chimed in and said to David Aiken, shouldn't matter, David. This should not happen in Canada. So Alan Fryer is saying there's doesn't matter what David Menzies was going to ask, but Aiken doubles down. He says, like I said, I'm, I'm curious. The only journalist in scare quotes I've seen treated this way in 20 years of covering political leaders is Menzies. It's his shtick. Fundraising theater. He gets arrested all the time. Well, I say again that he wasn't arrested last night, and a better journalist would have known that than David Aiken. Weird. You know, Aiken and I worked together at Sun News a decade ago. I frequently appeared on his show. I considered him a colleague and, heck, even a friend. I had no idea he had such contempt for me. But alas, in yesterday's decade, Sun News was not government-funded. In fact, the network 
was government slaughtered when the CRTC refused to give Sun News the proper broadcasting license that would ensure its survival. Why? Huh, no reason was given. The CRTC doesn't have to give a reason, but the unspoken reason was that the leftist bureaucrats at the CRTC did not want a right-of-center TV network on the airwaves. Diversity is our strength, you see, but not when it comes to a diversity of political opinions. Oh, and by the way, I don't think Aiken ever corrected the record, you know, that I had been arrested. Hey, <laughs> details, shmeetails, I guess. Besides, David Aiken is too much of a big shot to deal with retractions and apologies. And now he is the Canadian version of Jim Acosta. Wow. So what is the takeaway of David Aiken's Twitter behavior last December and his appalling behavior at the Polyev Presser last week? Well, I think it's this. As a state-funded journalist, Aiken wants to send a clear message to the government that he is on Team Trudeau. The media watchdogs have become Trudeau's lapdogs, and Aiken wants to demonstrate to the kennel master that he's a very loyal canine indeed, one that will snarl at rebel journalists and conservative leaders. You see, Aiken is sending a message to Trudeau that global news is worthy of all that filthy lucre the prime minister sends its way. <laughs> and hey, should global news go under, oh, and I'll address this matter a little bit later. Well, Aiken is essentially conveying to the PM, hey, look at me, look at me, look at how I'm harassing your enemies. Perhaps Aiken is essentially suggesting to Justin that, you know, the next time he makes some Senate appointments, well, Mr. Aiken would be perfectly fine dropping this journalism shtick and instead continue to suck off the taxpayer teat by being a member of the Red Chamber. Yeah, snap, snap, green, green, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, sign them all. Then again, Aiken does work out of the Ottawa Bureau of Global News, which is also home to that pathetic drama queen that is Rachel Crimer, I mean, Rachel Gilmore. You see, Rachel has incessantly droned on and on about being attacked because she is a female journalist. Yeah, I know, that sounds serious, doesn't it, folks? Except that... She hasn't actually been physically manhandled like my beloved female colleagues at Rebel News, such as Sheila Gunn-Reed and Alexa Lavoie and Drea Humphrey. They've all been on the receiving end of physical assaults from Antifa creeps to trigger-happy members of law enforcement. No, little darling Rachel is crying about mean tweets. Oh, poor baby. I hear she's even teared up on occasion her makeup meltdown resembling a Tammy Faye Baker slobber fest, except with Rachel, you get the added annoyance of vocal fry. But you know, her self-professed victimhood has paid dividends for Rachel. Well, sort of. She was invited to speak at an event put on by the so-called Anti-Hate Network earlier this month, so-called that is, folks, because I can think of no other organization in Canada that is more hateful than the Anti-Hate Network, especially if you're conservative or, say, a supporter of the Freedom Convoy. But hey, Rachel is down with that revolution, let me tell you. Check out this tweet from January in which Gilmore quotes an unnamed anti-hate expert 
regarding the far-right convoy whose members have made, quote, Islamophobic comments in the past, end quote. Uh, gee, what comments would those be? Well, it's not reported because Gilmore is a horrible reporter. She's a diversity hire, you see, a member of the woke me generation who thinks all the news stories must revolve around her. And what hard-hitting stories they are, folks. Check out this TikTok video of um, Rachel getting a tattoo in Tunisia. <laughs> now that's big news. Come to Tunisia with me. I'm getting it. Shop is called Rockin' It was the first legal tattoo shop in Tunisia. The artist was so in Tunisia with That's another thing. Rachel just loves taking her blouse off. For the longest while, she had a photo of her pinned to her Twitter account bragging about her latest COVID-19 vaccine shot. Who does that? Who posts their medical history on social media? And does this NPC think it's actually an achievement to get jabbed with a needle? But again, much like Aiken, she's demonstrating to the kennel master that Rachel Gilmore is a good little compliant reporter when it comes to vaccine mandates and that she's doing her best to gin up pro-vax propaganda. Trudeau must be smiling when it comes to the behavior of this little media minion. But Rachel, here's some advice for you that will truly advance your career given that you are such a shameless exhibitionist. Next time you get a one-on-one -on -one interview with Sugar Daddy Justin, by all means, take off your blouse again. Prime Minister McGropey will really like that. <laughs> Just ask Rose Knight. But enough about Rachel Crymore, because there was yet another September faux pas regarding global news. You see, a knife man, who was most likely a global news employee, entered the Global News Toronto headquarters on Tuesday evening, September 6. Now, police and paramedics, they were called to the scene. Oh, you didn't hear about this on Global News or any other news outlet, you say? Well, little wonder the media and even the police are covering it up. Check it out. Why isn't this knife attack in the news? Why aren't you doing a story on this? I, I have no comment. Call the police, they're on their way. They're on their way? Yeah. Okay, no then. So you are a news organization, and this seems kind of newsy to me. How you doing, sir? Hey, who are you? I'm David Menzies with Rebel News. Why are you here? I'm here to do a story on the knife attack that occurred on Tuesday. There was no knife attack. Oh, there was no knife attack. Okay, well, I reached out to police and they say there was an incident. Nope, not here. There was an incident, but it has nothing to do with uh, anybody else but us. That's was it a current or former employee? No comment. This sounds kind of crimey to me, given that the police got involved. Why wouldn't Catherine McDonald be filing a story on this? There's no story to be told. Because it's being covered up. No, it's not being covered up. 
Okay, well, what would, can you describe for me, sir, the incident? Personal incident, that's all it was. You see, if it was somebody wearing a MAGA hat, if it was some patriot in a pickup truck displaying a Canadian flag, oh, you want to bet that's going to lead Global News Toronto, their newscast. However, when it's allegedly one of their own, somebody within the media party acting badly, it's not a news item, it's a cover-up. By the way, we still haven't been able to identify the knife man. Toronto police won't even name him for whatever reason. But we're not letting this story go away. In fact, the big boss man himself, Ezra Levant, he's posted a $500 reward to anyone who can name this individual. If you know the identity of the knife man, please email Ezra in strict confidence at Ezra at rebelnews.com and we will do a follow-up story. So I'm sure that some of you are probably saying right now, why should I even care that Global News is a shoddy operation employing vapid and vacuous and vindictive journalists? Well, here's why you should care. You see, your tax dollars are propping up this organization and its journalist jabronis. And get a load of this. Global is now coming to the government, cap in hand, begging for more of your money, I swear. Check out this recent story from our friends at True North. Quote, the owners of Global News are demanding more government funding as its news media company faces imminent financial collapse. According to Blacklock's reporter, although Chorus Entertainment Inc. has benefited from millions in taxpayer funding, its executive vice president, told the Senate Transport and Communications Committee that its news business was, quote, on the brink. News is a challenging business. Traditionally, we have offset our news losses through more profitable entertainment programming, but this is no longer a feasible strategy, said Troy Reeb. Reeb also complained of competitors who come in and take audiences as well as social media companies, end quote. Oh my God. You mean the Marxists at Chorus don't like competition? So they need yet more taxpayer-funded corporate welfare? Why don't they adopt our model and crowdfund their enterprise? Oh no, folks, the entitled Chorus commies don't want to actually hustle to earn their money. That's for the commoners. Unbelievable. Oh, it should be noted that in business, the bottom line is indeed the bottom line. And check out the grim bottom line regarding Chorus Entertainment, Inc. In the last five years, Chorus has lost nearly 80% of its stock value on the Toronto Stock Exchange. 80%! Wow, Chorus is such a sinking ship right now. It makes the Titanic look like a state-of-the-art hovercraft. Chorus is also a case in point when it comes to the proverb, go woke, get broke. You see, once upon a time, the Chorus radio station in Toronto, it was known as Mojo Radio, a.k.a. Talk Radio for Guys. It generated good ratings, but it also generated controversy. So the wimps in charge rebranded the station it's now totally woke, of course, and the on-air talent, with the exception of the superb Alex Pearson, they are painfully 
boring, politically correct lame brains. You know, if some of those chorus hosts don't get off the air soon, folks, I'm going to stop breathing it. Indeed, I used to be a frequent paid guest on AM640 shows. I'm now actually banned from the station. I'm guilty of wrong thought, you see. Compared to the hilarious days of Mojo Radio, AM640 only wants torturous wokeism to fill its broadcasting schedule. And the end result? Well, folks, last time I checked the ratings book, AM640 was the second lowest rated radio station in Hogtown. Only the classical music station, 96.3 FM, was rated lower. So here's the deal, be it AM640 or Global News or any other struggling chorus property. Chorus is producing insipid content that fewer and fewer people want to consume. And when the chorus cats can't sell enough advertising, they go crying to the government for more taxpayer money to prop up this media manure wagon? Give me a break. Indeed, my favorite Yiddish word springs to mind. Chutzpah. Sheer, unmitigated gall. But for chorus, time is of the essence, you see. There might be a federal election this fall, or maybe it'll be in 2025. Who knows for certain right now? But Chorus knows full well that when regime change does come to town in the form of the Pierre Polyev Conservatives, the gravy train is going to be derailed, that the free market economy is going to prevail once again. Chorus properties like Global News are dead dogs with fleas. When the new boss man takes up residence at 24 Sussex Drive, instead of continuing to subsidize this media mutt, it's time to take it behind the barn, old yeller style, and put this miserable organization out of its self-inflicted misery. Oh, I can't wait to hear the howls of outrage and indignation emanating from the likes of David Aiken and Rachel Gilmore when that happens. You know, that footage just might prove to be the most entertaining program to air on global TV since what will they think of next? Well, folks, there's some good news and some bad news to report on the taxation front. First, the good news. More than 50 national governments cut taxes during the pandemic or to ease the burden of inflation, according to a new report released by the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Alas, here's the bad news. Canada was not one of the tax-cutting nations. Nope. The Justin Trudeau Liberals raised taxes for Canadians yet again, as if we don't already have it tough enough. And joining me with more on this sad state of affairs taking lease in our great dominion is Franco Terrazano, Federal Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. So, Franco, thanks for joining me on the Ezra Levent Show. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. So, Franco, I must say that in one respect, I'm not at all surprised that taxes are going up for the average Canadian 
After all, the Justin Trudeau liberals are spending at a rate that would make a drunken sailor blush. Is this what this is all about? Is this the main reason for the lack of tax relief or are there other factors at play here? No, I mean, Canadians are paying too much tax because the Trudeau government is wasting too much money. Uh, I mean, look, Canadians could pay lower taxes if uh, the federal government wasn't wasting so much money, like announcing hundreds of millions of dollars for companies like Bombardier or giving 300,000 federal bureaucrats a pay raise during lockdowns or uh, spending thousands of dollars on a sex toy show in Germany. So I think you're absolutely right when you suggest that the reason that Canadians are paying too much tax is because the government is wasting too much money. You know, and it reminds me of Rob Ford when he was mayor of Toronto and he swept into the mayorship of the city, Franco, on that great slogan, respect for taxpayers. And he always talked about um, the city having a spending problem and that mm -hmm. you could achieve efficiencies by making strategic cuts. And when you gave me those examples, that crazy story about federal tax dollars going into a sex toy show Absurd. in Germany. I mean, what in blue blazes was that about, Franco? <laughs> Yeah, call me old fashioned, but if the Germans want to have uh, if the Germans want to have their own sex toy shows, maybe they can pay for it themselves, right? But look, we we absolutely have a spending problem in Ottawa, and we've had a spending problem for a very long time. Let's look pre-COVID nineteen in twenty eighteen. The federal government was spending all-time highs, even after accounting for inflation and population changes, which means that the Trudeau government before COVID-19 was spending more money than the feds did during any single year during World War II, okay? So with overspending like that for years, finding savings in every area of that bloated budget in Ottawa should be like finding water in the ocean. Uh, but unfortunately, we're not seeing any, uh, any real meaningful attempt to cut spending. We're, we're seeing the exact opposite. I mean, look, there is low-hanging fruit for the federal government to cut, and they should stop, or they should start with stop giving themselves pay raises every single year while everyone else struggles. Yeah, that isn't crazy. That, that, that is very interesting, Frank, I should say that, you know, once upon a time, people went into public service to do just that. They wanted to serve the public, uh, even though they could probably make more money in the private sector. But we've seen the growth of public sector unions. They're very militant when it comes to raises and benefits and pension plans, but we're the ones paying it. We're the stakeholders. And I mean, at one point, this bottomless taxpayer trough is going to hit a limit, is it not? Well, it certainly seems like public servants are servants in name only, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel like we're <laughs> we're working hard to work for them sometimes? Yeah. I think it certainly feels that way. But let's get back to the tax issue because we also saw a report from the Fraser Institute that looked at all the different taxes you pay to the different levels of government, property taxes, income taxes, sales taxes, alcohol taxes, taxes on taxes. When you add all of that up, the average family is paying about 43% of their budget just in taxes. So you know what? If governments really want to make life more affordable, how about you just stop taking so much money in the first place? But the problem that we're seeing is, is we're seeing the Trudeau government come up with so-called affordability plans. I don't know if you can call it a plan, but when it comes to affordability, 
the Trudeau government essentially breaks your leg, then gives you crutches two sizes too small, then says, well, hey, look, if it wasn't for the government, you wouldn't be able to walk. Well, you know what? In the first place, just do no harm, which means stop raising taxes, stop wasting money and cut taxes now. No, you're right, Franco. I'm a big fan of tax cuts because we've seen in other jurisdictions, when you put more money into the wallets and purses of the citizens, what are they going to do? They're going to go out and spend it. It's going to stimulate the economy. Maybe, you know, you're going to buy a, a, a new appliance, uh, maybe a car, assuming we get this semiconductorship issue uh, sorted out in the near future. Um, and, but yet there are too many governments in Canada being a prime example, Franco, tax and spend, tax and spend. And, you know, even let's just set aside the economic stimulus argument for a second, because there's another argument to be made. Canadians are struggling. I hear from it every day that people are struggling to put uh, fuel in their car on the way to work. I talk to young families who are worried about being able to afford formula or, or able to worry that they're wow. not able to afford ground beef in their grocery cart. Right. So right now is the worst possible time for the federal government, for Trudeau to be taking more money out of our pockets. You know what? It should have been, at the very least, a no-brainer for the federal government not to raise taxes during COVID-19, during lockdowns, and as inflation soared. But we saw the government raise taxes. It raised the carbon tax three times since COVID-19. It raised payroll taxes. And if all that drives you to drink, well, you know what? When you go to the liquor store and pick up that 2-4 Keith's or pick up that bottle of wine to share with your better half, well, you're paying more to the tax man there as well. It, it's incredible. And this is not... You know, when I delve down into your report, Franco, basically, if you make more than $40,000 annually, and that's that's not a lot of money in this day no, and age, no. your federal income taxes are going up primarily because of the payroll tax, I understand. I mean, I think this is just egregious that people at that tax bracket are going to suffer even more this year. And you know what? When Ottawa, as Ottawa sticks us Canadians with higher tax bills, there's other countries around the world that are doing the right thing and providing their citizens with some much needed relief, right? You mentioned that we found 51 other national governments that are providing tax relief, but a lot of them are our international peers, the people we compete with. More than half of G7 and G20 countries cut taxes, two thirds of OECD countries cut taxes, and we're seeing some significant tax relief, right? Australia cut its gas tax by 50%. Uh, South Korea cut its gas tax by 30%. You've got Germany, Ireland, India, Italy, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway. They're cutting taxes as well. And you know what? Let's not forget that these higher prices aren't a choice from the politicians because Trudeau could immediately cut gas taxes and save drivers between 18 and 30 cents per liter today, mm. depending on where you fuel up. Wow. You know, and Franco, here's the other issue. Do you think maybe Justin Trudeau suffers from a lack of economic literacy, if you will? Mm. I go back seven years ago when he was first running for office, that infamous quote, the budget will balance itself. First of all, and Franco, I'm not even trying to be funny here. What did he mean by that? <laughs> Well, it's it's uh, it's uh, what September 21, 2022. Uh, we don't have a balanced budget, not even close. So we're still waiting for that. But you know what? You asked uh, the the question is kind of do they know what they're doing? But you know what? I think they do know what they're doing. The whole point 
of the carbon tax is to increase the price at the pumps. It's not like the government doesn't know that they're raising prices with the carbon tax. Let me give you another example. Next July, the federal government is bringing in what amounts to a second carbon tax within fuel regulations. Well, within the government's own numbers, the government's own report shows who is going to be hurt the most from that second carbon tax. It's low-income individuals, middle-income individuals, those who are already in energy poverty, single mothers, seniors living on fixed income. And again, this is from the government's own report. So I think it's time that we stop pretending that the government doesn't know what it's doing. It knows that its policies are driving up the cost of living. The only thing I can say as we wrap this up, Franco, is maybe it's also a matter of a lack of empathy by the prime minister and other senior liberal cabinet ministers. I mean, uh, the prime minister is a trust fund baby. He's a multimillionaire. He's set for life. He never has to um, look at the price of items. He doesn't have to worry about gas prices. Is maybe that is maybe that part of the problem, Franco? A huge element is that our politicians are financially divorced from the realities facing their constituents, right? While you and yours struggled through COVID-19, while the private sector, while workers lost their job, took a pay cut, maybe even lost their business in the private sector. Remember, our members of parliament gave themselves three pay raises. So they're not feeling the same type of economic pain that many of their constituents are feeling. So I do believe that the fact that they are so financially divorced from the realities of the people is, is a major factor here. Outrageous. And yet again, that's another example of why the phrase, we're all in this together, I think has yeah. overshadowed the check is in the mail as the biggest lie ever uttered. Franco, thank you so much. You do fantastic work at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. And thank you for your time today. Folks, lots of response to Ezra Levent's interview with Keith Wilson. He's the lawyer that's going to federal court to fight uh, Trudeau's suspended ban on unvaccinated travelers. David Lundquist writes, People's charter rights begin with the people themselves. As citizens, we have a responsibility to know and understand the charter. When we allow politicians to reinterpret our rights, and then we depend upon the courts to roll the politicians back, we can end up in the situation where we lose our rights entirely. You know, that's really well said, David, and I really believe in the past two and a half years during this day and age of COVID, I think the real virus was politicians at every political level of every political stripe stripping our rights away I think to me that was a far more disturbing and debilitating virus than COVID-19. And Ash Mack writes about the October 31st, November hearing, October 31st, really? Wow, can I say demonic ritual? I bet it's going to go bad on that day. Well, who knows, time will tell. Let's just hope in keeping with the Halloween theme that we're gonna end up with more treats and less tricks for a change. Well, folks, that's the Ezra Levent Show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. Ezra will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, as always, stay sane.
Pierre Poliev won the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada with proudly won 68% of the vote point. The member have spoken and the party is united, but some sore loser don't like those results. MP Alain Reyes is one of them. In Quebec, seven out of ten elect MPs supported Jean Charest's team when he announced his candidacy. Most of them, following the announcement of the Poliev victory, respect the members' will and threw their support behind the new leader. Alain Reyes is the MP for the riding of Richmond, Artabasca, where I am at this moment. Alain Reyes announced he will sit as an independent MP because his guy, Charest, didn't win. But is that what the people of his riding want? Party members in his riding vote for Poiliev in the leadership vote. Don't they matter? Reyes is acting like a liberal, and it's not the first time. Let's look at the previous bill, C-10, on internet censorship. Reyes has, in the House, argued for more censorship for this bill. For him, the Liberals were not going far enough and fast enough. He wanted something more robust and wanted to talk about regulating social media. This bill, C-10, an act to amend the Broadcasting Act and to make related and consequential amendments to other acts, is a significant piece of legislation. It's been long awaited for a long time. The entire community has been waiting for changes with the arrival of the Internet and digital productions. This legislation has not been changed in 28 years. There was the Real report, and the idea is to have web giants covered by the Canadian Broadcasting Act. I think there's a consensus among parties and stakeholders that the Broadcasting Act needs to be modernized. And there's also a consensus among many stakeholders, and I'm convinced uh, among the other opposition parties that the legislation should have included web giants and social media and a number of other things. We say that this was highly awaited. I think uh, we were expecting a bit more. This legislation should include things like print media. They are having a hard time surviving. Uh, because of declining revenues. This so-called conservative was arguing for more government intervention into what we watch and see. Something a little more robust, as Rae say. So I'm, I said he is no longer a conservative? No, but the people of his writing should get to decide if they want an independent MP or something else. That's why today I'm launching a petition at reisemustresign.com. Petition to have Mr. Reis 
stepped down from his position as a member of parliament so that people can choose whether they want to keep him as an independent or elect a true conservative member of parliament who will protect the interests of the citizen of Richmond, Artabasca. Or maybe they want a liberal or NDP. They should get a, that choice. That's democracy. Instead, they have a sore loser making choice for them. Sign together via risemustresign.com so that we can let him know how many people disagree with his under democratic funding and we will deliver to him. Elections are for citizens to nominate the person or group of people who will represent them. Rise is undoing all that. It's unfair. People need to understand that Alain Reyes was the mayor of Victoriaville when in 2015 he decided to run as a MP for the riding of Richmond, Artabasca. During the CPC leadership election, Pierre Poliev won of 53% of the vote against 42% for Jean Charest in Alain Reyes' riding. Lots of people were not agreeing with Pierre Poliev views, but the riding has been won by Pierre Poliev, and that means the citizen of Richmond, Artabasca, wanted Poliev to represent them. Alain Reyes did not follow the will of his constituent, and it is why Alain Reyes should resign from his position as an MP. Make sure to sign our petition while you're there. For Rebel News Quebec, I'm Alexa Lavoie.